Thank you for downloading this New Zealand Sports Radio show. We have a new way that you can support us. There is a link in the notes down below where you can make a one-off donation to New Zealand Sports Radio. Thank you for support and uh, enjoy the show. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello and welcome to the Driving Wall Show. Hi, I'm Paul. I'll be your host this evening. And yes, it is Six Nations time. We're back uh, up and running. Um, we've had the first round with three games um, with uh, uh, Wales, Ireland, uh, England, Scotland and uh, Italy, France. So we're we'll getting in to all of that and uh, joining me to uh, go through all of the uh, details um, of that. I have got Mr. Stephen Harris. How are you doing, sir? Yeah, very good. Thank you, Paul. Always a privilege and a pleasure to be on the TDM. Thank you very much. And sorry, everybody, we are running just over 10 minutes late. And yes, haven't even got the beer open yet. I mean, boy, oh boy, what, uh, what kind of place are we in when uh, you've not got a beer ready to go live with a uh, podcast? I mean, it's just a disgusting state of affairs. This evening, I've got some Max uh, um, Magic Hour. And uh, so there you go, a Magic Hour of uh, rugby coming your way this evening. And... Uh, <laughs> Good evening, Christopher Edwards-Bailey. Uh, great to have you uh, joining us in the live chat. Don't forget, you can join us, folks, on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. Uh, and also, you can listen to the show uh, as a podcast, iHeartRadio, or your favorite pod catcher to search for New Zealand Sport Radio. Oh, and breathe. There we go. So, um, Steve, did you get up in the early hours for to watch these games? Or were you uh, watching them on record or just doing highlights? What, what's, what's your rugby weekend been like? Um, actually, to, to be fair, it started actually on Saturday morning. I actually uh, uh, took in part of the <clears throat> under because obviously the under 20, 20s tournament running simultaneously as the uh, Six Nations. So I got up and um, the Ireland Wales game uh, caught the eye, and uh, it was it was quite a spanking game with. Uh, um, one particular player that I may have mentioned on our chat group who who stood out, and um, yeah, I got up uh, early. Uh, when was it yesterday? Yesterday, yesterday morning, and uh, watched the uh, uh, watched uh, not the uh, Ireland Wales game. Watched a replay of that particular game, but really enjoyed the England Scotland game. That was a very very good game. Yeah, well, maybe um, that's... <laughs> <laughs> you're quite right. As a game, it was a good game. That um, uh, obviously here I am wearing got my um, got my England jersey on, and as you can see in the background, we've got uh, got my other England jersey hanging on the wall. Got my Irish jersey and my Lions jersey there. All there. Yeah, showing you that it is Six Nations time, folks. Um, the uh, yeah. So for me, I I didn't catch any of the um, 
under 20s but i did uh, see that clip you sent us and we will we will be uh, we'll have a quick chat about him uh, in a moment but i um, got up and watched the uh, england scotland game before having to go to a, before going to a market to try and uh, set up a market stall on uh, on sunday um but uh, and then caught up watching the the Wales Island game on replay, but I've not seen the France Italy one. I'm afraid folks haven't just uh, had my daughters this Waitangi weekend, so long weekend, so not really, so I've not had the chance to uh, to get them. Now it looks like Steve has frozen. Let's hope that's um, no, that, that he'll be back to um, to join us uh, when we'll have a quick chat about those um, under twenties um, games. I haven't seen those um, just yet, but the name um, that. Um, Steve was talking about um, within uh, our, our the, the sort of chat group um, that we have um, was a, a player by uh, the um, oh, um, Sam um, Predensgast, the uh, island number 10. Um, and uh, yeah, there's a wonderful clip of him stepping a player, getting around the outside and then offloading for the winger to touch in the corner. Um, but uh, and that wasn't his only um, a moment of brilliance in that game was it, Stephen? I mean, you, you're pretty impressed with his, uh, his 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 all-round game management. Oh, listen, very much so. And um, and of course, anybody who tunes into to Twitter, um, I think a comment, some comms came through from uh, uh, Sunny Sunny Bill Williams, and they were pretty much along the lines of uh, watching the action from afar with Sunny Bill Williams, and he was quick to praise the island youngster for his sublime try assist at the end. Sam. Prendergast, he, he exclaimed, remember the name, my friend. So that's from uh, uh, Sonny Bill, Bill Williams. Now, I, I'm pretty sure he'd have a fair, fairly good gauge of a, of a, of a quality player and uh, a player who didn't mind a, a decent sort of offload uh, back in his day. But you know, primarily, I was very impressed with the way this young man actually managed the game. He just looked like he had a ton of time. On his, on his hands. And there were a lot of similarities to the way he was running the game, to the way uh, that Johnny Sexton runs the game. Interestingly enough, I think they play for the same club. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, Paul. I think Sexton plays for, for Leinster as well. And, and I do believe Prendergast has made the odd appearance or two for Leinster. But yeah, he, he just looked top top draw. And um, I, I think it'll, it won't be a case of, of, of uh, if he becomes a full island international. It would just be a case of when, Paul. Um, whether it happens this year, hard Hard, hard to know, but boy, um, yeah, looks a really, really good player. It, it does now. And this is one of those things where um, I've just been listening to a cycling podcast as I drove back from um, from, from dropping my daughters back at their mums. Um, and one of the players, one of the things they were talking about is a, a cyclist called Peter Sagan, who is uh, coming towards the end of his career, just announced his retirement at the end of the season. Um, uh, and one of the points he said was, look, if you said back when he came out that he wouldn't win a certain race called Milan San Remo, um, you'd, you'd, you'd think nuts because uh, he was designed for that uh, race. He was a three-time world champion. He's a fantastic rider. I mean, he didn't win that particular race. And even though back at the start of his career, you'd have said he will win that race. So we need to be a bit, a bit careful when we're looking at you know, the young players. Go, okay, they will do this or they will do that. They have the potential to, um, and, uh, and obviously, obviously uh, and, and he looks like he's got all the skills to do so. But an injury or just bad luck, can or get in the way, or even just another player coming through is even better than them. Um, it can can also happen, but um, but yeah, I see Stephen's gone and put his uh, put his colours to the mask there and said that uh, Pendergast is going to going to rack up a few uh, a few island caps. Oh, oh, listen, he's like I say, I always 
the club, you know, basically the class of the player is how much time he's got. And this kid's got a got a lot of time. In fact, it was actually a really good contest, and it it, it basically kept me and me engaged. I mean, Wales scored a couple of outstanding tries, but you always felt that Ireland, when it when it came down to it at the, at the end of the day, with Prendergast running the ship at, at first five, Gleeson number eight looked a very good player as well, and they came away with the win. 44-27, but there was another spanking contest um, going on at the same time, and uh, I didn't see this game, but I flicked over just in time to see uh, England uh, under-20s getting the victory over Scotland under-20s by 41 points to 36, of course, that game between Ireland and Wales, 44-27. And um, we spoke about the rise of uh, Italian rugby, and we'll, we'll get to their uh, senior team, but once again, France under-20 uh, under getting the victory over Ireland under-20, and really it just came down to a missed penalty by the uh, Italian kicker in the last minute, so you can just see how close that, that under-20 competition is, and uh, with the under-20 comp... Uh, up and so just, again. just to round that off, um, France beats uh, Italy twenty-eight to twenty-seven. Yeah. So a very, very close one there, folks. Oh, yeah, very, very much so. And you know, that's the that's kind of one of the advantages of having the Six Nations competition earlier in the year, Paul. Because once these teams, I do believe the um, the under twenty tournament is up and running again this year. I believe it's in, in South Africa this year, 2023 20, 20, and twenty twenty-four. Boy, what a heck of an advantage! to go into that when you've had uh, um, five decent games under your belt in the under-20s uh, Six Nations. Yeah, exactly. And this is one of those things that um, that gives um, the, the, the the Northern Hemisphere teams uh, a, an advantage is they do have this structure um, for the under-20s that, uh, that have regular games. Um, I couldn't name... I mean, the, the, the New Zealand under-20s, well, they'll, they'll play Australia. They might play one of Pacific Islands in some sort of Oceania, triple header kind of thing, maybe ahead of a um, rugby champion, ahead of a um, world rugby under-20s championship if, you, if, if, if they're lucky. But that's the only time um, they uh, they do get to run out. You're quite right. The next 2023 and 2024, both tournaments are being held in South Africa. I'm interested in this back-to-back in the uh, the same countries, obviously cancelled in from uh, for three years. Um, due to, uh, to to COVID, but it's a similar thing we've seen on the women's side as well. Is by having that women's Six Nations, the the women's team, women's teams in Europe, obviously England, Ireland, France, Wales, uh, Scotland, and Italy, um, have had a uh, had a, had a, a massive advantage over um, the, uh, the 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 Black Ferns and uh, the Wallaroos, etc., because they just don't have regular games and they just play a lot more. They get to get more opportunities to um, to play now. That's been rectified on the women's side um, with the uh, Pacific Force um, that's, uh, that, that's been stood up by World Rugby. Um, but um, but we don't have that similar, or I'm not aware um, of uh, Max Harden. That's sorry, that's the way you're looking for. I'm, uh, very, very right, Paul, uh, Stephen. Um, the, uh, we, we, we don't have that similar sort of structure for the under-20s. Um, and I think uh, if the if you think like your Fiji, Samoa, Tonga in the 20s got to play regularly against um, the, uh, the Wallabies under twenties and the uh, the junior blacks. You'd imagine how that would be helped set up and prepare those players for their um, for, for the senior international side with that extra experience. Team. Oh, it, it it would be huge. Like you say, normally New Zealand, Australia, they'll invite a Pacific Island team. Usually, it's Fiji or or Samoa will go across to the Oceania a tournament. Now. 
to be brutally honest, I don't know. I don't know if it does either Australia or New Zealand any favours in that game with respect to those two unions. And you find that the twenties will basically waltz on back to New Zealand. They'll have a couple of couple of hitouts against um, you know teams that are that are thrown together. The old NP, NPC team. Um, and, and to be honest, it's really you know I've I, I just written now our private chat, chat just really getting that match hardened play against teams that are that have got very very good forward packs. A lot of the players are are involved. You know we we we, we spoke about this uh, young first five. These but a lot of these young players are all involved in professional academies. So boy, they've they've definitely got a leg up. Yep, absolutely. Which is a bit of a surprise actually that if you think that um. And obviously, we've missed out the last three years, which is part of one of these things. But um, in France, won the the last two before that in 2018 and 2019. Um, New Zealand won it before then. England, New Zealand, England, England, South Africa, New Zealand, New Zealand. Um, it's kind of how it's how it's kind of gone. So, um, yeah, surprising we don't actually see Ireland made it to, to one as made it to one final in uh, 2016. That's the only time into the top four. Wales, um, 2013, made it to a final, uh, but again. It's rare, few and far between these teams are making it at that kind of level. So, yeah, you want to do with, with with that extra match hardening with those with those academies in place. Um, Ireland should be doing better um, as, uh, uh, as really when it comes to that um, uh, that the annual tournament. Um, but that's just going totally off track, which is fine. Happy to do so. Um, but uh, let's crack on then and uh, talk about the the, the senior games. Um, of the on the men's side. So, first off, um, we had Wales um, versus Ireland, and um, as uh, um, what's the word I'm kind of uh, kind of looking for here? Uh, as a contest, um, this was over very very quickly, um, with Ireland scoring of tries um, after the second minute, ninth minute, um, and then adding a, a penalty after 19. Uh, and another try on uh, 21 minutes to mean that they were leading, I think it was 27-3 at half time. But basically, this was over as a contest after 10 minutes. If you go if you go two scores up like that, um, uh, it, 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 was, uh, it, it was gone, um, especially as they dominated possession and territory in that first half. 6% possessions, 57% territory. They were playing with the ball where they wanted to um, and uh, probably actually would kick themselves for, for, for not getting the bonus point wrapped up before half-time soon. Yeah, you pretty much hit it on the head. It was over before it started. I mean, to say, even if you were the most ardent Welsh supporter and you wanted to take a little bit of positives, you could, positives, you could take something out of the second half and say, hey, it was 7 all in the second half. But in reality, that game was well and truly dusted after after 40 minutes. But um, I, I've got to say, Wales had their opportunities. And that, that to me, that was, was made not been the overall difference but you know Ireland Ireland are just so good at no, nailing their opportunities so good they you know they're just clinical at the end of the day opportunities present themselves you know they they take it it's it's as simple simple as that you know uh, once again Wales they they had an opportunity to you know they they probably could have scored a try and if they scored a try they could have brought it back to 17 uh, 10 after 19 minutes unfortunately the the um, the pass <laughs> The pass found the uh, gleeful arms of uh, James Lowe, who bolted sixty meters down, down the field, and and they were pretty much broken from there on there out. 
and uh, around about the 28th minute, Sexton knocked over a, a penalty just to, to you know, just to stretch it out that little bit further. But if you look at the Welsh performance, they, you know, they they actually had a lot of, they, they created a lot of opportunities in this game, Paul, but just at times just lacked a little bit of accuracy, just forcing the, forcing the pass at the wrong time and, you know, I think for them that that would be the really real disappointment. Disappointment. You know, I looked at some of the stats um, from half time, and um, in, in, in that in that first half, five meters. But you know, a lot of those were basically long, long range stuff. But you you look at actually killed them. They offloaded. They had about five offloads compared to Ireland's one offload, and then there were. The other thing that hurt them as well was that was the nine penalties conceded against five, and that was pretty much at uh, at half time. And if you look at the number of carries, Ireland with a lot of carries, but that's not to say Wales didn't have their opportunities in the in the first half. They could have had two or three tries themselves, but they're playing against an Irish team that's just clinical at at the minute. And um, it seems to me, even though they had a couple of late with withdrawals, it just didn't. Didn't seem to affect this team. It's not bad when you can uh, uh, pull Jamison Gibson Park out, and you know you you can send in Connor Murray, who's got so much experience in this Irish side, and that pack works really, really well together. And uh, complemented by their World Player of the Year, Josh Van der Fleer, who uh, very good game with a try uh, right at the end. Yeah, I mean, Wales also had instructions with Halfpenny pulling out Liam Williams in there as well. Uh, both sides had had late late. Um... Uh, either during the week or actually on match day itself. But you're quite right. Opportunities. Both sides had six breaks, six clean breaks. Um, whereas the, if you look at Ireland, eight turnovers, whereas Wales turned it over 14 times, which shows you that they weren't clinical. The number of scrums, obviously these come mainly from knock-ons. Um, Wales had four scrums. So Ireland knocked on about four times, whereas Ireland had nine scrums. So twice as many kind of knock-ons as well. So yeah, as you say, um, so maybe not the doom and gloom around this Welsh side that, um, that that maybe we're going to get from this result uh, generally and saying, oh, Gatland can't do it. Um, but the um, but if you think about, look, Gatland's only had, what well, you're saying, 12 days with this team. Um, things like uh, the timing of those runs, uh, those passes will start to stick more um, if they, uh, as they get more time together, as they learn the attack patterns that, um, Alex King is trying to, to, to put in place. So, um, yeah, perhaps not as much doom and gloom around this Welsh team as the result would suggest. I mean, 10 to 34, it was a drumming. It was, it was, a, it was a very, very comfortable win for Ireland. Now, did they, uh, the, only, the, only, the only issue for Ireland is they didn't really push on to create that big score they could have done, right? They didn't get that um, bonus point try until the 73rd minute. When you're when you've got three tries in the first quarter of the game uh, and you're three scores up, you shouldn't spend the next three quarters of the game to get that one single try, right? So I guess from a, so yeah, it's a wonderful start by Ireland, very clinical, um, but perhaps didn't kick on as well as, uh, uh, as, as well as Andy Farrell would have liked them to have done. Yeah, yeah, I'd, I'd go along with that, but I'd, but I'd also say it was, was the first game of, of the championship and, you know, this is a, this is an Irish side that's, Really, at the end of the day, only got to, only going to get better. I, I kind of look at this this Welsh team, and it's boy, it's got a bit of a dad's army look. 
about it. I know it's got a, I know it's got a lot of experience, but you know, you spoke about Halfpenny being there before, and I, I just wonder. <clears throat> and 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 you know, we'll get to some of the other sides, uh, the Scotland's and the and the Italian teams. You know, when you're chucking a little bit of youth, it just brings something a, a, a little bit more exciting to the team. And I just wonder for Wales if they um, if they've relied on too many of these players for too long or, or as I basically said in our own personal chat, is is it a case of have a look at where their <clears throat> where their club teams are, where where they're standing are in Europe at the moment, and uh, you know you don't you don't see them sort of um, challenging the, the the top teams when it comes to to Europe or, or European Cup uh, status. Yeah, but they've been they've been like that for forever, and yet Gatland got still could get results for them at the national team level. Um, so I do, I do think there's, I think there's more upside to this. I, the other thing that we, that this does tell us though about Ireland, um, is look, there was lots of points about them. Or they, they didn't have the greatest November. They, they, they got the results, but didn't have the greatest performances in November. Um, but they, they got, they, they, they got the results, which was great. And that led to a lot of people saying, oh, in Ireland have peaked, or they, 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 they peaked too early for the Rugby World Cup. Um, I think the answer to that is, if they have done, they haven't dropped down very far, mate, and they're going to be. Um, and they're going to be. Uh, um, they, 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 I don't think they. I don't think they've peaked. I think they're, they're still in a a, a a very a very good place. So yeah. So don't worry about them having peaked per se on that one. Mark Dunphy, um, uh, as an Irish supporter, Ireland stopped playing after 27 minutes, then woke up at 70 minutes. England um, weren't bad. They just missed some bad tackles, especially in Durham van der Merwe. France were ill-disciplined. Well, we'll get onto those games um, as well um, after them. What is uh, Chris? What is Wales' easiest game left? Italy, um, England at home or Ireland away. Oh, ouch! Ouch! England at home. God, yeah. We'll um, have to wait and see. There's lots. Uh, Italy clearly it would be expected to be the easiest game. Yes. An, English, an Englishman putting the knife in? Nah. <laughs> not, not happy about this one at all. Um, on this one. Um, so, not so, yeah, winning Scottish try was a wonderful uh, team try, running the ball back um, from a kick into 22. Is this the way test, uh, of Test Rugby now? Um, well, we'll get on to the. Let's move on to that England um, Scotland game then. And um, to my mind, uh, it started off. I mean, this, this, this. Uh, we'll look at some stats later. We're comparing the games, but this game um, had the most number of kicks from hand out of any of the games. We had uh, um, seventy-nine kicks from hand in this. So basically, a kick a minute uh, in this game. Compare that to the um, Wales Ireland game where they had fifty-four kicks. Uh, and uh, Italy, France, where it was uh, 51 kicks. So I must say, most so so not surprising that um, that kicking and kick returns were the thing that, uh, that that has come up and been mentioned quite a few times now. Um, but uh, and that's off off basically in our private chat and and here in the in the, in, in the comments. But England initially were winning that kicking duel by kicking down the middle. Um, and by having a howitzer of a boot at the back there uh, and we're out kicking um, Scotland and winning that kicking duel. Um, I think when you look at um, Duhan van der Meer's try, for example, um, the kick didn't go down the middle. It went to one of the sides. Um, and I think probably Ireland, uh, sorry, sorry, Scotland um, probably adjusted and England um, didn't adjust properly with their kicking or didn't keep the proper kicking strategy uh, and we saw the kick returns starting to uh, to hurt them, um, but it, it was it was a tactic that, that that initially worked, but then came back to bite them. Stephen, oh, 
Absolutely, yeah. And the and the crazy thing about that, if you looked at the halftime, at, at the at the halftime stats, England had made four four hundred and thirty meters to Scotland's two hundred and forty one meters. They they basically seventy six to forty to forty three. So all the stats were in their favour. Not much difference between the the offloads. Not much difference between the between the penalties conceded. But the other the other key one, England had only made fifty nine. 50, 58 tackles missed nine, where Scotland had made 123 tackles and missed nine in the in the in, in the first half. So, you know, um, despite all that kicking, both teams were were, were, give, were giving it a crack, and there were some beautiful offloads. Um, and the and the and the way that the game started, boy, it just it just kept you engaged straight away. Yeah, to me, there's yeah two two points in this one. England only had two clean breaks all game. Whereas um, Scotland had six, um, which um, uh, which which I think shows that yeah, the England's attack um, couldn't find a hole in that Scotland defence. Now the Scotland um, basically said, you, um, "You're not coming through the middle. Um, if you want to if you want to beat us, you've got to go around the outside." And they did that for um, that opening. They did that for at least one of their tries. I think perhaps two of their tries. Um, Max Malins' tries were kind of were, were, were around the edge from from, from memory. Um, so they did manage it a couple of times, but not often enough. Mm. Whereas um, England clearly had not got their alignment, had not got their um, uh, defensive structure right because they had far too many holes in the middle of the park, which is where Scotland made those breaks. Duhan van der Meer um, uh, through that um, on that kick on that kick return. It was up the middle of the pitch. It wasn't down either side. They hadn't they hadn't forced him to the sideline. They didn't they didn't use the sideline well. Um, and England had too many spaces in the middle of the park. Now, hopefully, that's um, from England's English point of view. That's something that the that's that's the players not all being on the same page with the defensive coach yet. As again, it's brand, it's a new defensive coach. But well, um, I, I, I was about to say, there's probably four players in that movement who. We'll probably look at the video video session whenever they sit down and look at a video, and they they won't be very pleased at what they saw. I mean, so Joe Marchant coming back into the, the team missed missed a straight first tackle. That that was the that that was the the first one. Then the fullback um, Stewart, who in the main had a pretty good game, had a pretty sol- solid game. He was he was easily beaten with the step. Then Port felt was beaten with the step and then the last guy that could have got it was Don Brent, the number eight and um boy just just got his tackling just got his tackling height went went high on a big guy and got <laughs> unceremoniously shunted you know got the big big the hand off and boy I'll tell you what as a, as an individual try what a way to start a season if there's gonna be a if there's, gonna be, <laughs> if there's gonna be a better individual try scored this season um boy bring bring it on as is all that all that I can say, and uh, you know we spoke about Ireland before being being clinical. Yeah, Scotland are just getting that nice clinical edge, and and boy, their, their game drivers, you know Finn Russell and at, and at the back, um, I'll just um just forget the the fullback at the back. I just forget Hogg. his name. Yeah, yeah, Stuart Hogg at the back, who's a very very good, good good footballer. Boy, they've got a good thing going, and their and their mid midfield combination was was pretty solid they seem to know what they're doing there uh, their captain is a is a very underrated uh, underrated player the number six who runs around for them not not a not a big player but he's he's inspirational and when you consider they they haven't got hamish watson 
in the, in the side. It's it's incredible. Yeah, listen, England for all that, I think they played their part in the game. I don't think they're as bad as a lot of people are are actually saying because I think they they proved last year when they played the All Blacks, they've got some they've got some attack in their game. No no question what whatsoever. <clears throat> and I think they are a little bit more creative when um, Marcus Smith. <clears throat> Has got the got got the ball in his hands. I think sometimes they play a little bit too much into the centre. They try and bully bully teams in in the middle of the paddock, and just end up going. And you, you talk about I spoke about the structure before. There are times they will just go to that side and just just move the ball from hand to hand. And sometimes it's quite easy for the for the teams to to actually defend against. You know the one the one time they did basically get the winger in for a try in the corner. They just managed to to get some mismatches, had a nice big uh, uh, loose forward and Ludlow ranging a little bit wide. But also he he had a pretty good game, you know, coming in for Courtney Laws. He's one heck of a he's one heck of a footballer. And I was very impressed with the uh, with the uh, the lock as well for uh, for England as well as I, I look at his name Chisholm. Looks uh, looks looks a pretty good player. In fact, he's actually got a, a younger brother playing for the England under twenties as well. Mm. So you might see those. That's a pretty proud family. Those two boys will be running around in England jersey um, for a while. So uh, yeah. ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I don't think England England were that far off it. There were times during this game, as you haven't quite got to the second half, where I actually thought through their kicking game they were actually getting the bit better of uh, they were actually getting the better of, of, of Scotland. They were also putting the, the they starting to put the Scotland scrum under pressure at, at times. So they you know that's um, via the the quality that they were able to pull off the depth, a couple of veteran veteran, veteran front runs and and Vuni Polo and, um, and and Coles. Um, so I, I don't think they should have their heads too far down, Paul. But at the end of the day, boy, good good for Scotland. Third third win in, in a row, I, I believe. Second at second at, at Twickenham. That's pretty imp- pretty impre- impressive performance from the Scots. And uh, boy, all of a sudden they throw a spinner in the works. <laughs> yeah, no, very very good performance by the Scots, absolutely. And we'll we'll look at so, so we'll compare some stats after. But their their tackling um, was up there, as you say, uh, England. Um, Missed 25 tackles from 100, 126 attempts, whereas um, Scotland missed 22 tackles, so less tackles, but made a 214, uh, sorry, 236 attempts. So nearly twice as many attempts, but actually missed less tackles. So fantastic um, defensive uh, uh, piece by, by, by Scotland. Um, and, then, and then they also made more clean breaks as well. So um, 
despite having to play the majority of the game, 71% of the time in their own territory. So they were under the cosh or, or, or having to yeah, put a big defensive shift in, um, having to play from the wrong part of the pitch uh, and um, stuck in the stuck in the game and stopped England from, from doing things. I mean, England's, England's even England's day when you've got something like um, Owen Farrell, the third highest point scorer in test match um, history, uh, missing two conversion or missing conversion, missing kicks at goal early on. And that was like, oh, wow, that's this. This is not usual from him. Um, a couple of uh, Don Brandt, who you talked brought up there. Look, um, I think he had a poor game. Uh, clearly, he's been brought in to be the uh, the runner out of those um, uh, three um, Lucy's uh, when you think that he made um, 13 runs. Actually, London Morse did 18 runs, but um, Don Brandt's clearly in there for his running 13 r- runs for 24 metres, but he knocked it on at least three times. Um, he really was uh, getting his running lines, uh, to- getting his, his timing of his runs totally wrong um, and not able to, to to hold on to the ball. So I think he had a poor game. Um, and then about the uh, having Farrell, Farrell was often at first receiver and would very quickly pass it to Marcus Smith. So they're playing... Um, so by, by the time he gets to the guy who's making the decision to try and make the play happen, it's been passed twice. Um, now, uh, and it's obviously gone back quite a long way to give him space to do what he wants to do. Uh, I, I'm not sure that's a good tactic when you've got such fast defences nowadays and such fast line speed um, to lose that much space. Uh, um, so I'm, I'm yeah, I, I, well, my, I think the jury is out on England's attacking plan at the moment and how they use their 10-12. Paul, what I, what I do like about Marcus Smith, he holds the ball out in front of him when he when he actually decides to take on the line. He's he's not you know he's always prepared to an inside runner. He's got a little bit he's got a little bit of footwork. He's got he's got some pace. At, well, I mean to say the kick, the, the the cross kick was just you know that's good that's good vision. He's, he's shown that he's that he's actually he's actually got vision. So although you know they probably barrel in there from the from a from a goal kicking goal kicking aspect so it's it, you're right it is a, it is a bit of a predicament we got i actually like what you what you said that um when when Farrell's that first receiver it kind of it kind of um it limits it limits the time that marcus smith has actually got with the got with the ball and it gives a gives the defensive line um a little bit of a alignment or more time to put line speed pressure pressure on and um yeah, it's definitely something for uh, uh, Coach um, Steve Borthwick to think about. Yeah, now look, this is not a criticism of Farrell, okay? This is not he, this is not his call. This is the attacking coach's call as to what structures and how they want them to play, right? So so before um, he'll sort of mouth off and say, I mean, not twice we said that uh, Farrell needs to join the coaching staff and let Smith run the show. Look, it's not, this is a, this is this is what the, how the coaches want to use Smith uh, in, to, to, sorry, to, to give him that extra space. Um, in midfield and, and away from um, the, the the kind of ruck and where, where all the players are, I'm just not convinced that that's a good idea. So it's not about um, players; it's about coaching staff. That the, my my criticism is on that one. Um, finally, then, uh, yeah, and congratulations, Scotland! Yeah, a fantastic start for them. Duan Mandemir uh, kicking off with two two tries. Um, great start for for um, for, for him. Uh, really interesting to see Hugh Jones come in at 13. Uh, instead of Chris Harris, the uh, the more defensive-minded player, whereas Hugh Jones has been considered a kind of attacking player at 13 um, and um, a uh, so- someone who's perhaps defensively susceptible, but um, 
interesting for that that change there with the, uh, the British Raj Lions Harris on the um, Chris Harris on the bench. Uh, good to see that Russell is and um, Townsend have sort of uh, fixed their tiff, um, and he's actually getting, getting to play um, as well. So great cracking game by um, by Scotland. Well done. The final end game of the weekend was Italy um, versus France. Now, this is one I haven't unfortunately had time to see, having had my having had my daughters this weekend. Um, but um, look, I think a lot of us um, are very surprised to see. Uh, well, I was surprised to see how close um, this game um, finished. Uh, France only winning this one um, twenty four to twenty nine, so a five point victory um, there uh, in this one. Um, Stephen, you've seen this one, uh, and I think you mentioned that. Uh, uh, that, or actually, no, it was when I was talking earlier that, that with 20 minutes to go, Italy were leading this game uh, and uh, really managed to stick in it, even though they did miss 37 yeah. tackles. Yeah, yeah, it, 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 exactly. You know, France probably not at their best for, for this particular game, but I, for for me, the winning of winning of this game was just probably Italy getting themselves with, with 15 minutes to go in, in good field position, but just the line-out just not functioning when it really needed to. But, boy, there's a, there's a lot to like about this Italian team. They've definitely got got attack. You know, we've we've seen and heard um, a lot about Ange um, Caputo, the, the fullback, and once again he's, he's just continuing his run of being able to jot down and um, score tries in, in, in test matches. He's certainly got some ability, and when he's got the ball in his hand, he certainly creates a lot of ex excitement. But uh, the, pl the player that impressed me the, the most was the extra, was the midfield um, midfielder, Juan Inacio Brex. Now, Brex is actually Ad Argent Argentinian, played uh, under twenties for for Argentina, but obviously has went to, has gone to Italy to play all his rugby. But boy, big strapping. Midfielder, and he gave the, the Italians a, a lot of, lot of go forward. Yeah, there's a little bit, there's a little bit of a helter skelter in this about the way they they play, but you know, I think it couldn't be better, more summed up than than Kieran Crowley at the end of the game. He was, he was, pretty peeved off that they had lost that game. You know, it's not a case of, oh, gee, we're really, really, we would, you know, we'd, we're really happy about, um, we're really happy about how far we pushed. Push France. He was genuinely peeved off that they actually had missed an opportunity to uh, to knock over this uh, this this French team and a very very good French team and you know such to the point that they put France under under pressure. I think um, um, Olivier, who got a yellow card in the fifty first minute, I think that's something like their first yellow card in about twelve games. Paul, that's crazy. Well, so they did have the uh, the red for Dupont who. Um... Uh, oh, with yes. the uh, the tip tackle in November, but um, but yeah, no, well, they're not getting reads. From a card point of view, yes, they've been fantastic. Um, yeah. In this game, eighteen penalties to, to Italy's only seven, um, and that shows up in the lineouts because uh, Italy had twenty-two lineouts to only nine um, from France. So, um, and I was thinking, is that a difference in, ta in, in kicking ta tactics? No, it wasn't a diff kick difference in kicking tactics. A difference in number of penalties it gave away. Um, in fact, obviously, when you kick to the line, you get you get a line out. So, um, France discipline in this one um, could have hurt, um, seriously uh, nearly nearly burnt them in this one. Uh, unfortunately, Italy's tackling 122 tackles from 159 attempts, missing 37 tackles. If you do that, you're going to lose the game, um, and that's where. 
I, I said, I've not seen this one, but from a stats point of view, that's where Italy really um, hurt themselves um, on this one. Um, and, and, that, so that their defence was not up to this game. And, and and the other thing, the other thing, France, I should mention, got a lot of value off the off the bench as well. And when you can roll on some pretty sizable um, individuals like uh, Falatia and Tawa Finua, the, the big lock who's a who's a man mountain and he, and he got the the brilliant offload away through the tackle for for jelly bear to set him up for the for the winning try i think just getting that uh, quality off the bench really was the was the was the the difference at the end of the day of course italy had an opportunity uh right at right at right at the end but france uh, managed to to sack sack that line out and pretty much kill the game kill the game dead like Wonderful opportunity to have beaten France. Um, I know f- people talking about this uh, this French French performance, but you know, to me, France is France, Paul. They'll um, and I, I'd likened a uh, an example back in the 2011 World Cup where they were in New Zealand, where they were supposedly in total disarray. The coaches were in disarray. The players were weren't listening to the coaches. They'd lost to both New Zealand and Tonga and round robin, and boy, they were only one score away from lifting the William Webb Ellis Cup. At the end of the day, that's that's what this French team is capable. And uh, listen, full credit to them. They they head on their winning way. I think is that their thirteenth straight win. I think it is Paul. Um, Something like so, that. Yep. Yep. So, you know, winning winning breeds confidence, as as but, they say. And you know, they've 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 got some quality players. You know, the other the other real difference, I thought between the two sides was in the in the halves, Dupont and Intermark, where Italy with um with the with the two guys uh, Tomasi. Tomasi Allen, I think that's just one. That's one area. Allen and Varney, the, the first five, a halfback combination. I think if Italy has some, has some world class in those in those areas, boy, I think they've, I think they've got the opportunity to step up even another level. Yeah, so I think it was the fourteenth win on the bounce. Either way, it's a fantastic uh, winning record that they've got there. Um, now the reviewer says, do you think Italy will be able to keep this form um, consistently through to the World Cup? Well. Um, last week, we had a look at uh, the, um, the results from last year. And if you look at last year um, for Italy, um, they lost 37-10 to France, 0-33 to England and um, 57-6 to Ireland. So some real big blowouts there. But they did get um, that one-point win over Wales. Um, uh, a, some, so a couple of good wins, a couple of wins that you'd expect them to get over Portugal, um, Romania, um, Lost to Samoa, lost to Georgia, but beat Samoa comfortably. Then that one-point win over Australia before a blowout against South Africa. So, look, um, can they keep this form through to uh, the World Cup? Yes, but this form, in my mind, is there'll be there'll be close ones, and then there'll be blowouts as well. Um, so, do I expect them to be close in every game between now and um, be able to keep it close in every game? No, I don't. I think there will be blowouts. Um, I, I don't think they have consistency at the moment, but I do think they can keep game, close games mm-hmm. against top teams, as we've seen there. That one point win over Wales, at one point win over Australia, but also of that big loss to South Africa yep. at the end of they've, the year. They've got a very tough undertaking, unfortunately. Uh, um, next next Sunday or Monday Monday our time, they uh, head to Twickenham to play what will be a very angry England 
England England team on, on on saying that they can they can they can go in there with uh, with nothing to lose. I actually agree with uh, Christopher Edwards Bailey about Allen's uh, kicking. Once again, his his kicking was was very poor when it mattered. And like I said, you know, just having that quality in those in those half positions. Listen, Paul, something that's remiss of me to to actually before I miss actually saying it. Um, isn't it refreshing that we're actually talking about three games of rugby, and we're actually not talking about the officials, and the, yes. either the either the either the referees, the ARs, the TM, TMOs, and I've got to say, uh, Carl Dixon, um, Paul Williams, and Matthew Carling, who refereed this morning's game. Boy, thumb you know thumbs up for the referees. I'd be curious to see what the guys who are tuning into the show thinks, but I think. All three officials did a great job, and and Paul Williams, who's much maligned in New Zealand by me, <laughs> um, <laughs> um, he's not my he's not my favourite official, but gee, I, I I thought he was absolutely fantastic with the with the advantage and his communication, especially with the kicking, telling players to hold. You know, it, it would be easy just to penalise a player and, and and stop the game, but I I thought he administered the, the advantage. Absolutely brilliantly. Listen, there's always going to be one or two things, you know, may maybe missed. But listen, if he's get, getting the majority of things right, and he's consistent, um, for me that was the real plus. Not only that we see three really, you know, well, two really good games, and a, you know, and you couldn't exactly say the Ireland Ireland Wales game was a, a top level game because it was over by half time, but. I've got to say the officials, man, fantastic. And I do like the little nuances, you know, teams can't waste time anymore. Paul, they've got to, you know, got to get the ball in. There's, there's no mucking around. They, uh, the um, clock's being stopped appropriately. So, uh, yeah, there's, there's, a, there's a lot to like. And I think, you know, I think there is the opportunity, though, for for uh, for teams to maybe utilise the, the 50-22 a little bit better because kicking, I don't care what anybody says, but uh, kicking is still an important part of the modern game. And uh, on that one there, um, I'm not too much here, so I, I still think they can speed up the scrum a little more um, and not com uh, no compromise safety. Well, true, yes. Yeah. So there is, look, it was, uh, were, they, were the referees perfect this weekend? No. Were they very good? Yes. Basically, so this is um, yeah. You you could go through those games and critique them and find issues, um, but um, but I don't think uh, what watching the games are they didn't influence the game in a negative way as to who might win, um, but they kept the speed up uh, and they kept um, it being played in the uh, yeah in, in the, the, the the right um, um, temperament, which is all they can really do. Now, one of the things, Stephen, you were um, pleasantly surprised at, I think, um, from our. Um, our private chat was uh, uh, that we have on Facebook was that um, uh, as to how good these games were. And you're like, okay, can I have a look at some um, some stats? What I've done is I thought pull up some stats. We'll try and keep an eye on these over um, the rest of uh, the weekends there. But um, Ireland scored the most points and Wales um, gave up the uh, or scored the least, so that's why they're red and green there. And both teams had a perfect kicking day at the posts, whereas England. Had that 60%, like we talked about that earlier uh, with Farrell. Um, the number of kicks, Wales and France kicked the least. Now, France have got a reputation for kicking the most. So um, a bit of surprise there to see them down there. Scotland kicked the most with 42 kicks. Uh, and that's, yeah, that England-Scotland game had a kick nearly every single minute. Um, the best line-out in the competition, well, Ireland with 15 from 15 there. 
Um, yes, we talked about how clinical they are. Yes, they uh, they, they they really are. Um, whereas Wales um, lost three lineouts of their thirteen, so the worst lineout of um, the um, of the competition. Scotland are also perfect there with ten from ten um, with with their lineouts. Offloads. Um, France leading the way there. Wales also with quite a few. Uh, interestingly, um, Scotland with the least, um, but also and yet they had more clean breaks, um, line breaks. So the most line breaks with six. Also, um, Ireland there with only five. So again, the bottom end of the offloads, but six six line breaks. Why? That's because they rely on not offloading, but on quick ruck ball, um, and hence the positioning of players is different. Um, because the players um, are in a different position there to try and clear the ball and get the ball away from the ruck quickly. Um, and uh, whilst I didn't, uh, wasn't really following that, I'll see that stat for Scotland. I'm assuming something similar um, for them. England, only two line breaks. Need to polish up on that one. Italy, three. Again, their problem. Now, the stat that tells you who wins uh, is missed tackles. If you look at the three sides that lost, they missed the most tackles in each of their games. So currently, that's the stat that tell that's the, the most leading one as to who will win or lose um, the game. There, the most tackles and the most kicks, which shows you there was a lot of play, game going on in the England Scotland game, were, uh, were 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 there. Sorry, most and least um, ones. Uh, Scotland had to make two hundred and fourteen tackles. That's not a good thing. England controlled the ball well. Only one hundred one tackles have to made to be made because they controlled had the ball, controlled possession, but they couldn't make couldn't turn that around to be the win. Um, but yes, yeah, Stephen, any any um, uh, sort of stats there that jump out at you um, from that? Yeah, must 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 tackles at the end of the day. <laughs> it's just that, <laughs> that that stand, stands out, and both both for Italy and Wales, and it probably personifies where their ranking is is in this in this competition at the minute. Paul, um, they will have to improve big time. You know, after after the first round, you know the Scots. I don't know if we should be pleasantly surprised with that because that's their third one in a row against against England. And boy, they played such a good game against the the All Blacks. And let's not forget, they actually put the Argentinians away very very comfortably in their in their final game of the of the Autumn series as as well. So I'm I'm going to be very curious to to follow this. Um, to follow this uh, Scottish side, they, they're just playing a really good brand of rugby. And I, I've got to say at the moment, it, it pains me to say this, Paul, but boy, it, it definitely is uh, the best international rugby running around at the minute. The um, Wow, there we go. Um, just remind the folks that last year, um, in, um, Scotland beat England 20-17, but then went on to lose to, to Wales the following weekend and to France beating Italy. 22-33, and then losing big uh, big time to Ireland, 26-5. to um, So, a good start by Scotland, but they do need to follow it up next weekend. Next weekend, um, at 3.15am on Sunday, we've got um, Ireland versus France. What a lot of people are, have uh, pre-tournament have said, that's the title decider, <laughs> which is a bit of a shame to have it on week two. Um, but, um, uh, yeah, key game um, there with that one. Now, with France not having that convincing win over 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 Italy um, from a scoreboard, I know people have said in the chat that it was a convincing win, but they switched off. Um, we will. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how that one uh, goes. Whether that is actually the um, uh, the, the title of side we're talking about. Scotland host Wales. Now that is again they have to follow um, 
back up this win over England with a good performance against Wales. Look, Wales coming off the back of that game. Look, as I say, they've definitely got room for improvement. Um, let's say it wasn't as doom and gloom as the scoreline suggested because of the new coaching setup. Um, but uh, Scotland do have to put in another good performance. And then finally, England, Italy on Monday morning at 4 a.m. Um, as you mentioned, uh, Stephen, a hard task for Italy to go away to England, a team they have never um, beaten um, and a team uh, and going to a place that's going to be a, a very upset England. But again, in England, that um, off the back of that, they know basically two big things here. You've got a new defence coach. So hence, they, these are, they, there's, there's missed tackles. They really obviously know that they, haven't, they need to get better at that, that. And only two line breaks. Clearly, new attack coach. Now, they both those guys are going to be busy. But there's only so much time with those players. How much can they do uh, in a week? We'll have to wait and see on those ones. But... Um, uh, which uh, which one of those uh, three games really uh, whets the appetite the most? Even? Oh, listen, um, the Ireland France game, very very tempted to actually get up at three, set the clock for three fifteen and, <laughs> and, and and get up and and get up and watch that game. Um, I think it's one you want to see live because, like you say, it is the the championship decider. I'm I'm going to go for Ireland at home. I th- I think they'll I think they'll get over France. I think they'll they'll want to get up for this game. Um, I think Scotland to carry their, their form against <clears throat> against Wales. <clears throat> I think they'll they'll want to make a real run at this, and if they can get a, a second win under under their belt, I think it's it's it, it'll be perfect for them because I think they going into uh, going into week three. I think they head to France. Yes, they do do <clears throat> in the third round of the, uh, the Six Nations and, uh, of course, England to bounce back against Italy. But uh, you know what? I think I think it'll um, I don't think it'll be one sided by by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah, I think I'm with you there on the fact that it's uh, we're going for three home wins um, next weekend, I think, is how it is going to, uh, to to pan out. Now, I got uh, one of my predictions wrong this weekend, folks. I had England beating Scotland. So um, that TAB bet uh, it didn't uh, bring back. Um, much money, um, I will tell you. So, uh, but um, there you go. That's uh, we're on the same page there. I'll see if um, if Steve and I are both up. Perhaps we might be able to do a, a post-match reaction straight after the uh, Ireland uh, France game. Um, who knows? Just keep your eyes up, folks. That might happen um, on that one because we say that could, is, looks like the key game of uh, the, the the championship. Thank you very much, Stephen, for your time this evening. It's been an absolute pleasure yet again. And folks, we'll be back. Um, at 8pm on Monday evening. I won't have to be ferrying kids around. Um, we will be on time. Don't worry, next weekend. Next week, sorry. Um, so uh, have a cracking week. Enjoy the Six Nations, folks. And um, yeah, stay safe. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.